Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Modern Data Show. Today we are joined by Dr. Alexander Borek who is a data leader, author and speaker who assists techs and established firms with their data and AI journeys. He has a wealth of expertise in establishing global platforms and scaling software products. Dr. Borek is currently the director of data and analytics of Zalando where he manages the central data analytics team driving data mesh transformation across the business units. Previously, he has also served as the global head of data analytics and AI at Volkswagen Financial Services where he ran an extremely uh, in extremely scalable international operating unit developing scaling high value ai products alex has also launched data masterclass which is a community for data leaders which we'll get into uh, more details in a while welcome to the show alex hey great to see you ayush and uh, thank you for inviting me uh, it's, it's a pleasure alex so alex let's start with a very basic question how did you get into the space of data how did that happen you know you had a kind of experience uh, in terms of working from data strategy consultant at gartner and ibm to now data you know uh, the director of data analytics at zalando tell us a little bit more about your journey yeah so the funny thing is that it started actually much before that i was still you know i was at uh, my final year at high school and i was thinking of what should i you know study i was thinking about physics or computer science but then i ran into a friend in the gym and he told me about this new uh program like at the university which is focusing on data and information uh because you know it, it was uh, taking uh it was an interdisciplinary program having business uh, computer science and law are all around data uh because because that our university thought this will be the future in the 21st century. And, and I thought, wow, I want to study the future. And that's why I signed up for that. Amazing. And uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your role at Zalando now. And, uh, you know, to all of our uh, listeners uh, who are probably outside of Europe, uh, tell us a little bit more about Zalando as well. What does Zalando do? Well, you know, so, so Zalando is, um, is the number one online fashion retailer in Europe. Um, so, um, we serve 50 million, uh, customers, consumers, um, 51 million now, uh, even, um, in, 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 I think 27 markets now in Europe, um, every month, um, with, with fashion goods, with beauty goods. And we created an ecosystem of over 5,000 brands that use us also as a marketplace where they use us as, as the digital transformation platform for them, you know, these traditional brands. To, to, to connect to their consumers online. Um, so very amazing place. Um, and I think the, the, the very exciting thing there is that we have a lot of data. It's very tech driven. Um, and I have the honor and pleasure to, to, to have established uh, the, 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 together with a colleague, the central data organization. So I'm running the data analytics side. My colleague Olaf is running the data platform side. But together we have uh, over one and a half years ago, established a central uh, unit that you know that sort of starts to orchestrate between all the data and analytics and ML teams, you know, a data strategy. Uh, amazing. And uh, tell us a little bit difference uh, about the difference between uh, data analytics and data platform team. What does it mean? What, 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 how are these two, two two teams different? So I mean, uh, it's it's one it's one unit. So we we call us uh, the Zalando Data Foundation. So the whole idea of the entire unit is to provide the foundation for data across Zalando. So you know the teams built 
stuff, you know, all across the business that drives value. You know, we have, you know, really a lot of analysts that drive uh, insights every day. We have a lot of machine learning uh, people in the business units um, that create some big ML models that run on the website or, you know, are really customer facing or, or you know, or steer our logistics. Um, but what we do as Salando Data Foundation is to provide the, 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 um, the infrastructure and the ways of working, essentially, to, to work with each other. Because, you know, you come only so far when you work with your data inside your organization. You always need uh, the data of the other organization. If you're working in logistics, you need uh, the data of marketing and vice versa. And we're providing um, the, the ways of working and infrastructure to connect uh, um, all of this. And when it comes to the, you know, and then we, we split it a bit up because you, it's quite big and we had to somehow, we, we overall, uh, you know, nearly 150 people, we had to somehow, uh, you know, divide and conquer all of this complexity because it's quite complex. Um, and so I'm focusing more on the analytics stack and I'm focusing also on, you know, driving um, central use cases, you know, for, for central functions like finance, like central steering, business steering, and things like that um, as well, uh, while data platform is really managing the lake and the warehou warehouses uh, um, on top of that. Right. And, uh, you know, I have a follow-up question on uh, the Zalando Data Foundation, which is something that you co-founded and have co-led. But before I do that, let me start with uh, kind of, you know, chip in with another basic question is, what's the role of data in a fashion company like that of Zalando? What, what are the, you know, key levers does the data play in, in your business? Well, you know, I would say that the DNA, that the nature of Zalando is that we are both a, a fashion and a tech company. So you could say arts meets science, you know, and I think that's our strength. So I think what you would see is very similar to all the other large tech companies. You know, we, we are, our, our management is very data driven, which means that at every corner of the company, people take decisions based on data every day. And we have, um, hundreds of analyst teams, you know, across the company to, to, to leverage that data um, and to build insights for, for everyone making decisions. You know, that is the higher management, but that's also, you know, operation managers that have or customer, you know, facing managers that have to drive decisions on behalf of customers or, uh, you know, or our partners. So, so, so I would say that's number one. Number two is we... We have embedded, we have put ML into the heart of our, um, of our business. So uh, we have probably like 10 really big algorithms, you know, where we have large teams around it, whole departments or even orgs around that one algorithm, you know, um, at, at the heart of, of what we do. So size and fit is, is one of these uh, areas. And, now, you know, like recommending the, the right size is very, very important for us, one of many reasons. It's about cost, it's about customer experience, uh, it's about environmental, uh, you know, goals. All of these play here a big role. Uh, we, we, pricing is, you know, is typic a typical use case for, for e-commerce, which is really, really important. You know, we have lots of goods on the, on the platform. Recommendation, you know, calculating the right things, you know, to show on the website, you know, so it's more personalized, so you have a journey that inspires you. That, that's another, you know, area. 
um, um, that really matters to us. And there are a bunch more like that that are probably not surprising, you know. But I think the, the key thing here is an amount that we found out the sweet spots and we invested quite a lot in those. And, and those are really things that run at the heart. Like you cannot pluck them out anymore. Amazing. And uh, now let's talk a little bit about Zalando Data Foundation. Now that sounds a little different, right? You know, this is the first time probably I'm hearing a data foundation within an organization that you've co-founded. And uh, from what I've read, it's, it's, its main goal is to drive the, you know, the data mesh transformation at the whole group, right? So two questions. One, what is Zalando Data Foundation like? It, it's it's a slightly different term to hear. And the second thing is, help us understand the whole concept of data mesh at Zalando and uh, uh, why did you take, why did you even take this approach? So let, let me take a step back here. So I would like to dive a bit into an experience that I had, you know, beforehand, you know, at, at Volkswagen Group and Volkswagen Financial Service, you know, as a global head of data analytics and AI, I, I, I was, you know, um, I was charged to really build up digital transformation across the group when it comes to data. You know, I was part of a larger like uh, unit that was driving digital transformation. Uh, and my task was to bring in data strategy and, and a platform strategy to drive that, you know, across all pillars, across uh, globally, um, to bring in more, more advanced analytics into play. And I can tell you from that experience, when you start off with something like that, usually you have most companies, all companies that I know have BI teams. So business intelligence teams are there. So when you start to scale this, you know, you want to do two things. You, you want to reach uh, more people. So you start the self-service analytics play, you could say. Um, and then the other thing is you, you want to also um, build um, really like killer ML products, like things that really bring you a lot of, lot of value. Um, and then scale that across different markets, across different business units um, to adopt those, those, those uh, ML models. So you start usually with, when you start something new, you start usually quite from the center. You built, you know, what, what I've done at uh, financial, Volkswagen Financial Services was I, I built a data analytics and AI unit at the heart of the company. Um, and then we only slowly uh, um, created teams in the US and in China um, to have a global footprint, but we were driven a lot, driving a lot from from quite central teams, you could say, you know, and and then there, there would be some hubs, you know, a few fighters here and there that would do data science or analytics somewhere in the markets, you know, around the world. We're operating globally, um, but but that thing doesn't scale. Um, well, it's very good to start off like that in the beginning, but but over time, you want to put people closer to the business. So you want to have people in the markets, in each market doing data science, um, running their own models that, that are more specific to that market or on each business unit, you know, running very business unit uh, oriented stuff. So, so, you know, during that journey, it was not a problem because the areas of opportunities were endless and we just focused on the, on the most important things and we grew the central unit. But at some point that doesn't scale, you have to put things into close to the business to make it scale. Um, and at Zalando, when I joined, it was a very different picture because that journey happened that I described at Fox Fund Financial Service has happened already the years before. So uh, there was a very central data team, you know, uh, end to end, very large. And at some point it became the bottleneck. 
So what was done, those teams were, were put really into the business units. And from one day to the other, you know, the whole pendulum swifted from, from, from the very centralized org to very decentralized org, where all business units would create dashboards, um, would create a reports, would create a models, like there would be no, you know, uh, you know, like basically it was like a party, you know, like a data party or, or like a tech party. Everyone was building, started to build stuff. You can imagine that at first this created tremendous amount of value because you were very close to the business. You knew what your people wanted and you built what they wanted. Now, that's great. And you really increase the speed of value until you don't. Because at some point it swings back because what happens is that you, you end up with a lot of teams building products every day, very decentrally, finding some data here and there and putting it you know, in the data lake, yeah, but still from here and there, copied from here and there. They do something, they put it back into the lake, somebody else takes it, they create something new out of that, another person takes it, they create something new out of that and becomes quite of a maze, you know. And you create complexity. You cr that you create complexity that is very costly, not only infrastructure-wise, but very costly because the, the, you don't know what to use. There's a lot of tribal knowledge, but as you grow, and we were growing quite a lot during the last years, you know that tribal knowledge is, doesn't scale as, as well anymore. So you have to create a new system, another system of 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 how we work with data. And this is where I came in, you know, and and I was asked, you know, can you find a balance, you know, between, uh, uh, you know, to create a little bit more structure towards how we work together uh, with data. Um, uh, and together with my colleague, we, we thought through, how can we do that? And we, we worked for the first time uh, in the history of Zalando on a data strategy and published it last year. And that data strategy was really more of a ways of working around data. That's very different to the data strategies I created, Volkswagen Group, or, or earlier on when I was working at Gartner and IBM as a strategy consultant, I was doing you know, a lot of these data strategies. It was always about how much money is in there, where should we put our you know, dollars on, our euros on. Um, while at, um, at Zalando, that was not the point. Everyone saw every day how much value there is in data because there were so many products built. The problem was... If I wanted to change something, if you wanted to change the technology, if you wanted to build something new, which required stuff from other people, it was incredibly costly, difficult, and, and you had to, often you had to, to um, create uh, quality controls at the point of consumption and not the point of creation. And this is where we made that change, where we said, okay, the central data teams are not just providing infrastructure where people, where all data is loaded into that infrastructure and we just use whatever makes sense for individual people. Now we said, let's build now out of that a real data platform um, and, and, and a real operating model where everyone can build whatever they want in the same speed. So the, the, the decisions what to build are still with close to the business. But how we build it and how we share, that would be something like a contract between each other. So we brought the whole company together to discuss how can we do that best. And, you know, and during that journey, I mean, that started uh, two and a half years ago, we really found that data mesh and data as a product is a paradigm shift that actually helps in there. 
because it can, you know, we were already, a lot of people who that think of data mesh, they are thinking of decentralization. They are thinking we want to put people everywhere and do data. We were at that point already. What we needed is more structure, more governance without centralizing everything again, because that would create massive bottlenecks that wouldn't work. You couldn't put the genie back into the bottle. Um, so that's why we came to Data Mesh, because we wanted to use the ways of working and, and the governance mechanism of Data Mesh and implement it. And that led us, you know, a few years back we, to become one of the first uh, companies that started to experiment with these concepts and quite early on. And I think it was sort of when also Zamark started writing about it and we, we actually worked, it was before my time, but we worked with ThoughtWorks back then as well closely. Uh, so, so it's quite intertwined. That's, that's quite an interesting journey. Uh, tell us about how did you actually go ahead and implement a data machine? It's more of a conceptual, it's more of a philosophical concept rather than a framework that you could adopt, right? So how did you went from taking that concept and actually implementing it? Tell us a little bit more about that journey. So I think, you know, it, it was, for us, because it was before the time when it became really popular, you know, when we started the journey, I think it was really something that was more a natural evolution. So, you know, when you think about, a, um, you know, when you have all these mm, BI teams sitting, and I'm not referring only to analysts, analysts are everywhere, but we, we put the BI teams, which, which are taking care of the data warehouses, also in the different business units, like we have a logistics data warehousing team. We, in each unit, we have a domain team, you could say. And so what you need to do is, when you want to report stuff out, you need to come together and and come up with some rules. So in our data where our data warehouse is not is, is you know we have a team that helps to to make, keep it safe and you know and 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 create a community around it. But most of the engineering happens uh, in the domains for years already now. So whenever they wanted they needed some standardization, they came together, they agreed on some rules. Um, you know, on, on how things should be interoperable, how to, you know, how to make sure that we can, we can trust uh, on each other's work uh, in some instances where it's important. So um, I think at Zalando, we have a very strong culture of collaboration. So this, in a way, naturally uh, started to happen. So we had decentralized ownership. We had people from other domains needing data from other domains. We had a central platform, Lake, uh, Lake Plus Data Warehousing, um, we had a central uh, Kafka event-driven architecture where all systems were communicating to each other. So, so that that is sort of where we where we naturally uh, you know came into as we we created that decentralized model. Um, and then we we started to see that I think one one big realization though we had um, when we were doing the data strategy was that we need to differentiate data more. Uh, you know, you cannot treat all data equally. Now, data is not oil, uh, you know, because, because that would mean that it's, it's, it's interchangeable. Uh, you know, it, they, you know it's, data as a product is a very great concept because it really tells you, hey, I want to build a product, which means that product needs to have value. So I need to be very selective. You know, no company builds millions of products. Every company thinks, which product should I invest in? It's a strategic decision. So I think bring that element of strategic product management into data 
was a game changer, you know, because that mean, meant for us a shift from big data to lean data uh, to focus on the data sets that really matter. And we, we've done a lot of analysis then which data sets are really crucial and then started to double down on the standards. And that's a process that we're currently in, you know, to increase the standards for the stuff that really matters. And I think the, the very interesting thing here is, and I, I don't think it's, it's covered enough in, in the data mesh concepts yet. I think that as a data leader, you need to look at it even more strategically. And I call that strategic data product management, you know, because at the end, it's not only about the data set being just pushed out randomly to lots of people. I think it's about working backwards and understanding where do you have the impact. So if you have certain MLAI products, that run on the website, serve 50 million of customers every day in every transaction that we do, you need to secure these. So automatically, you need to make, work backwards and think, okay, what do I need for that? Is, can I improve something on the supply chain to make that algorithm better or more secure or more reliable or better audible, you know, more regulatory compliant or make it easier to make it regulatory compliant? All these things, you know. And so... I would really encourage these days every data leader to think of data analytics and ML products, but also the platform products that you build as a value chain. And I think that's, that's a thinking that we were missing a bit, you know, as we decentralize, as we, you know, it's very natural in any industry when you mature to start to separate the work and specialize. But the risk is that you miss out really, you know, uh, the value chain, you know, uh, you know and, 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 and you see that uh, in many disciplines, you know, even in, in hardware manufacturing, you know, where some companies manage their products more holistically like Apple, and they are really better than the other manufacturers. And I think you have that the same in data. If, when you manage that value chain uh, more strategically, if you find ways of working in product management because it's far more than engineering. I think the engineering part is not the biggest problem. I think we still are relatively immature in product management. If you fix that, I think, uh, I think you can create 10 times more value than you do now as a company. Wow, I absolutely love that analogy. And I also love the phrase, uh, from big data to lean data you know i think so this is this is the episode title probably we would go you know we'll end up with this one uh so moving on uh tell us a little bit about the modern data stack at zalando or your data stack how what are the kind of tools and technologies you are using from right from the data consumption right from data production to you know data storage to the data consumption walk us through your stack i think it's a very classic modern data stack and I, I think the particular thing that that some people from outside don't see when you look at tech companies that are a bit more mature, because we were founded, in, uh, you know, um, oh, like now 13, 14, 13 or 14 years back, so uh, um, that we had already to migrate a few times our stack, you know, and because it's so fast moving. So, so for any any startup out there. For any scale-up out there, as you scale, you know, maybe you're scaling right now for, from 100 people to, to 500 people. Think about the next years. You will need to migrate at some point your technologies. Plan for that. And, and proper, you know, managing of your products is, is one really 
I, we learned really when you manage data as a product, it's so much easier to migrate from one technology to the other. If you don't, if you think about pipelines, data pipelines, you know, you you have this maze of of cables running around. It's so much harder to to migrate anything. So so I can tell you we had a few migrations already, but right now I think we operate in a very classical modern data stack, which is you know we we have our microservice architecture on the engineering side that is communicating via an event-driven architecture, um, which is a you know. Uh, I would say an improved uh, uh, Kafka version of Kafka, what we have, um, and we we uh, basically um, historize all the data in the data lake, which is basically a cloud-based uh, storage, very very typical. And on top, we have technologies for you know for for Spark, um, and then for uh, for data warehousing um, on top, basically. So that's that's. That's quite a, and we are we are, have some instances where we work already with some lakehouse type of technologies. Um, we found that that not always they are already at the scale that we operate in. Um, they don't always have the performance that we need. So you know, at the end we have sort of an access layer, a fast serving layer that that needs to provide that data basically to a large community. So my I have over three thousand five hundred active users actually that are using. Analytics every month, um, uh, and they are using it quite, mm, quite intensely with lots of data. Wow, wow! And uh, you know, moving moving on from Zalando, uh, you know, we also happen to uh, notice that you also run, uh, you know, a community called uh, Data Masterclass, which is basically a community for data leaders. Tell us a little bit more about that community, and I also heard that you have an event coming up in June. So tell us more about that as well. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I was thinking really, you know, I, I've been working as a data leader for now um, roughly eight years. And before I was doing strategy consultancy uh, for data leaders where we build up big data, you know, large data organizations for other clients. And I mean, I thought, I thought really, you know, there is, you know, there is a need to accelerate um, in the in the in the industry, uh, the adoption of of uh, and leveraging data at scale. You know, I w- what you see is like for as a, so so in particular in Europe, what we see is that over the last ten years we we wasted too much time in building um, POCs. You know, so much money 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 was really wasted, which never got into production. Um, we we see that there are huge barriers of rolling stuff out basically you know like you, it's okay to it's great that people have good data organizations already that know what they do but it's really a cultural thing it's really a transformation thing you know when you want to have more people being part of that game um in the organization and when you want to put data analytics and ai at the heart of what you do as an organization it's a transformation and most companies in Europe, I can tell you, have not gone through that transformation yet. They are at the beginning of that transformation. You have some tech companies that are further along the journey, definitely. But when you look at the, the mass, vast majority of companies that employ people in Europe, they, are, they have not undergone this transformation yet. So 
what I have seen is, and I was thinking, how can I help? And first I thought, okay, maybe I, you know, started consulting uh, on the side, do a bit of advisory, not maybe not consulting, but more advisory kind of, okay, I help you guys uh, to run this. But I thought, hmm, uh, and, and I, I really realized there are patterns, you know, and I think that that's quite an important thing, you know, when you do transformation and at Volkswagen Group, I was doing one of the largest digital transformations on this planet. You know, it's a group with 625,000 people. It's 12 large brands, and the brands are massive, like Audi, Porsche, uh, Bentley. You know, those are the brands, you know, Volkswagen, Skoda, um, uh, MAN, Scania, you know. So, so, so really large companies within one group. And I had to, to, to scale, roll out um, um, data, data transformation across um, uh, these, these brands. And and all these companies, you know. And so I was a serial transformer, you could say. And I realized there are really patterns that work and are a lot of, and, and you can waste a lot of time when you don't approach it the right way. So I was thinking about starting a community to collect these patterns, a community for data leaders like myself, a community that would be, uh, be including data leaders that are more seasoned, more experienced, or have, are really expert in one, one thing or the other, that would share their story, would share some of these breakthroughs that they had, maybe some of these patterns, some of these recipes that they experienced uh, with each other, you know, and um, and I, I don't want to, you know, and I didn't want to create a forum where just people come and talk and that's it, you know, and podcast and that's it. It's also great, but I wanted to go one level further. With Data Masterclass, I have the ambition to build a practical body of knowledge for data leaders by data leaders, you know, so data leaders contribute to that practical body of knowledge. And we, I, I have started a podcast, which is data masterclass. Um, I'm working on some online courses. I'm, I'm doing research art, you know, I'm creating articles to capture interviewing a lot of data leaders every day. I'm interviewing several data leaders on what has worked. Um, and uh, in June, I'm, I'm running the first, um, large flagship event data masterclass Europe, which where we have spent three days with 70 data leaders in Berlin. Um, and for three days, we go really strategically through all the areas that you need to make a transformation succeed. And it will be not a conference, but it will be a series of workshops. We will have eight workshops. Each workshop is two and a half hours. And each workshop, uh, you know, I have been preparing with a few experts, a comprehensive briefing for that area, like things like data mesh or metric store or uh, data fabric or simply creating a great strategy and, and convincing people to come along. Those are all sort of topics for each of the workshops. And each workshop, you know, we, we really tell data leaders, we've been researching now for several months, this is what you need to know in 2023. Those are the things that we learned throughout the years, but those are also the current developments uh, that we see. Um, and we also invited data leaders to share their story. In each workshop, we will have four data leaders that have have created a breakthrough in that particular area where they, you know, created maybe a strategy that rescaled globally. And they tell us the story and tell us this, those were the obstacles. This is how I overcame those. This is what I learned. And this is my advice to you. And we then have these practical parts where data leaders then in peer groups, you know, we split them up in groups, really come together and, and think through what does it mean for me, you know, going through that checklist and think, where can I improve my stuff? Uh, and maybe how can I support the others in my peer group, you know, to uh, to succeed? 
Wow, that sounds really exciting. And how can someone sign up for that? How can some data leader who are probably listening to the show, how can they sign up for this event? Uh, so every, every data leader on this planet is invited to join. The event is in Berlin on June 21st to 23rd, so three days. And you can simply go on the website, uh, www.datamasterclass.eu. So it's datamasterclass.eu, like Europe. Because we call that event Data Masterclass Europe because it's taking place in Europe. Awesome, and you know we'll we'll uh, we'll be very sure to put this uh, on the sh- uh, you know show footnote as well, so that if there anyone wants to sign up, they would be able to do that. So uh, you know, all the best for that event, Alex, and we wish you uh, you know heartiest congratulations for doing this. And I think so. This this is something that a lot of people would benefit from. So uh, all the best Thank for that. Thank you very much. Thank you. And now, you know, now as we are inching closer towards the end of this episode, let me talk to you one hot thing that kind of that is up to every single, you know, leader's mind or, you know, individual's mind over the past six months is generative AI. Where do you think generative AI or what role do you think generative AI would play for the data teams? Very good question. And of course, that's something that keeps me very busy these days. Um, so look, I think it will, it will force us as data teams, data leaders and data teams to recalibrate our work this year. So most of us had a plan, you know, like this is the plan for this year, for the next years. And I think right now is the time to go back to your plan and think through is there are certain changes in my plan because of what's going on. Now, I don't think that that means that those plans will fundamentally change in terms of, okay, we, we drop everything and we start from scratch. I would rather think every one of us needs to go back and make some adjustments. It's very different to scrapping your plan. Why? Because data will be still very, very important uh, in the next years, independent of the tech AI technologies that you use it on top. In fact, when AI comes out of the box, and that's what we see with generative AI, we see APIs where you put in some data and you get results back. So you don't need your data scientists anymore for these things, you know. Uh, a lot of AI will come. And, and what we see, of course, is... Um, not only the large language models, what we see is a whole ecosystem, like we saw when we had e-commerce, mobile commerce, uh, when we had social media, and we had um, smartphones coming. You know, uh, during all these stages uh, and IoT, you know, you saw a whole ecosystem of apps being built, and we see that right now evolving. You know, every day there is new, like it's almost crazy. It's like gold rush right now. Uh, Everyone is building something um, because it's a platform shift, because it's a paradigm shift and a platform shift, Um, which means that more AI functionality comes really out of the box, which means that the only thing that differentiates you from the others is either you are really like the next open AI, uh, maybe for your discipline, you maybe don't need to be so big. Maybe you do that for your particular industry, but you create an AI model, which is really outperforming everyone else. But most of the cases, you will not be that company. Most of the cases, the thing that is really unique is your data. 
that's why I still believe, you know, after those adjustments, you will find doubling down probably on your investments in your data foundation data as a product and creating platforms that allow you to, um, you know, to, to, to really operate data as a product in a very lean uh, manner and plugging in into this AI ecosystem very well. Now, that doesn't mean that, that generative AI is not important. I think it is, and there will be use cases in your company that are a game changer. And there will be at least one or two people in your board that come to you as a data leader or to your data team and say, okay, guys, help us to leverage generative AI. So I would be rather starting to prepare for that. And one way to prepare is, I mean, first, understand the technologies, understand how to leverage it. There's a lot of good stuff also. for if you, Even if you're a corporate, you can use OpenAI Studio on Azure. There's good stuff on Google. There's good stuff on AWS. There's Hugging Face, you know, as, as open source. There's a lot of stuff that is actually quite good to use also for corporates these days uh, with a you know high standard. Um, so, so start playing around and see how you can incorporate that. But then you know it's back to these big data times where you start these kind of design thinking workshops. You know, going to the business, thinking through okay, which part of the value chain could benefit most from generative AI, and creating you know and running these workshops. Uh, where you where you have a lot of sticky notes and you think you know and you inspire people. This is what you can can do with generative AI. Now, what should we do in our business? And just starting off some of this stuff. The final thing that I wanted to add is maybe you should also do that yourself as a data team, because I think one of the of the killer use cases of generative AI is really um, helping you to code, helping you to create you know to to, to analyze data sets. And of course, you know, you cannot do just throw your data in there. You need to take care of security. But I would, I would really recommend, you know, data engineering is something that is always a scarce resource, you know. Make your data engineers more productive uh, or, or maybe you, you as data engineer, think about making yourself more productive in a safe and secure way. I mean, data engineers, that's a good thing because we can build stuff, you know. We are used to building stuff that needs to be safe. So, you know. Uh, so, so I think that's really the third area where I would look into. Um, and I would be prepared. I would really recommend to be prepared to have conversations with your C-level uh, because they will become very curious. Probably they are already now. And they, if they haven't reached out to you, they will reach out soon. So, you know, start creating some slides or a document, put together some ideas, interview people. So you come with, a, you know, with first ideas when, when they, they approach you. That's very insightful and very inspirational. So, uh, you know, as we kind of uh, get closer to the you know end of the show, uh, would love to kind of extend my heartfelt gratitude for doing the show, Alex. It, it has been a pleasure having you on the show, and I'm sure we all learned a lot from this whole episode. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure and honor to be here.